Hey everyone, Matt Bailey here, and welcome to another episode. Coming to you from the greatest city in the world, this is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Australia's most famous non-human comedian, but don't let that felt face fool you. He is also one of the most one of the smartest non-humans you will ever meet. So smart, in fact, he has written a new novel and traveled all the way to the United States of America to tell New York City audiences all about that book. Please welcome Randy. Oh Randy, welcome gosh. to the show. How are you? I'm so great, Matt Bailey. Thank you for having me on your great show. Oh, thank you for having me. We Talk saw... for two. Yes. I've heard so much about this. Well, that's because I sat down there in the seat the other day. You did. And your eyeballs looked at me. Uh, they did. And uh, and we had a chat during my show yes, about this very show. How meta is that? That is wonderful. And we predicted the future. I said, I will sit down with you on Friday. We started scheduling, if I remember correctly, in yes, front of the whole did. audience. Yes, we did. And I'm glad you brought up that you talked to your audience. Mm. Because one of the things that I was worried about when you said this is interactive is I thought, oh, no, somebody's going to say something and you're just going to smack them down. Uh. But it really became a conversation. You treat your audiences with, with respect. I mean, is it the easy way out for comedians to just insult the hecklers? You know what? I will only, I give people three chances. Three chances. If, if, if someone says something and, it, and, it's, and it's not helpful or if it's intelligible or if it's weird, I'll, I'll try to get a laugh off it and keep rolling. If someone says a second thing and I'm like, you know what, that, that's not really helping, but cool, thank you so much, and I'll keep going. And then if someone says a third thing, and if it's not helpful, or if it's abusive, or if it makes anyone else in the audience feel safe, I will destroy them. <laughs> I love it. Have you had uh, any instances like that here on Broadway? Broadway? I did actually yell at someone. I did actually yell at someone. Um, and you know what? In After saying that I give people three chances, I only think I gave him... Oh, no, I did. I gave him three chances. And the third thing he said, I just... What he said was I was talking about Ernest Hemingway and he, I said, I know everything. I know a whole lot of stuff about Ernest Hemingway. And this guy in the front immediately said, what's his favourite colour? And I was like, <laughs> orange. And he went, mm, I'm sure. And then I just went, you know what? And just went... And just ripped a ripped a few shreds off him and which was not even a mean thing or a harsh thing of him to say but it was just annoying <laughs> so um and i think also at that point the show people weren't really into it yeah and um and and i just wanted to press on and get people on board and he 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 held up the flow so what? i called him mean things what'd you call him i called him a motherfucker I love it. Yes, and a whole lot of other things. Yes. yes. But I'm not talking about the people that heckle you. I'm talking about when you look at somebody and you start talking to them in in the show. It's not about setting them up to make to make an ass out of them. Oh, it's no, I see what you mean. Yeah, no, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in getting up here and talking about how people are stupid. Because unless you're an insult comic that your whole shtick is that you're just going to be mean to people, I think that... You lose the audience if you're un you know as soon as I'm unnecessarily mean to someone, yeah. the rest of the audience just go, oh, that was no, we don't leave him alone, kind of thing. And also, it's risky for me because it's very bright up here. I don't know if you know that, but I can't see very well. I'm very short sighted. Can you, can you, so, read, the, can you read the card? Can you read? Uh, 
do you not on which something? Um, but my handwriting I, is crap. Yeah, um, that's more about your handwriting than my eyesight. <laughs> but um, but yeah, if I if I attack someone or if I kind of I don't know what they look like, I don't know where they're from, I don't I, I'm not judging anyone based on their physical appearance. So I just have to go on what they say. And if they say something that's a bit silly, I'll I'll try to make it inclusive for everybody because it's way more fun that way. It really is. If now, the person's in on the joke as well, usually it's way better. It is. This, this experience that we had was so wonderful because it felt like a conversation. Mm. It felt like a living room conversation. Good. Well, that's good. And, you know, that's not always how it is. Sometimes it's a performance where people sit and watch and laugh and clap and I'll talk to a couple of people to boost the show at different points. And other times there was one show here where... It just turned into a debate, really. There was like a 15-minute middle, middle section where I started talking about a whole lot of stuff I don't normally talk about in the show and people were piping up and the audience started arguing amongst themselves. It was electric. It was electric. But most of the time I just tell dick jokes and we get out of there. <laughs> How was the flight over from Australia? Long. I actually don't mind the flight from Australia. I, I took a Valium and just <laughs> passed out. <laughs> But it, um, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. It is a long distance, though. That 28 hours really accounts for something culturally. It really is. You know? Well, but audiences, too. You've performed this show. You've taken your book around the world. Mm. And we've, we're just talking about you talking to the audience. What do you notice in the style of the shows and the people at the shows all around the world? Australia, the UK, here. What are you noticing? They're all very different. Audiences are very different wherever you go. And not just country to country, but city to city. You know, New York, I found, and maybe it's the context because it's a very theatrical setting, that I'm getting a lot of theatre people here, which means I need to pitch the show slightly differently. I do a bit at the start of the show where I come out and explain the fact that it's going to be a comedy. If I'm playing a comedy club in Glasgow, they know it's going to be a comedy. If I'm playing a comedy room in Singapore, they know it's going to be a comedy. But if I'm playing a theatre somewhere in the world, I'm going to come out and I'm going to pitch it slightly differently. So it's all about context. You could, I could go to a comedy club in New York and it might be received completely differently. I might just be able to walk out and go, yo, what's up? Because there's been another comedian on before me that's warmed the room up and I can just come out firing. But generally, New York audiences have been pretty great. Apart from being snobby, snobby bastards. That's not Guilty true. There. Cut. <laughs> Cut that out. Don't print that. Oh, God, this is going live. No, no, it's actually been really great. It's been, it's been wonderful to, to be performing here. And I don't know. It's just... Uh, well, you know, can I tell you a, a tell me. secret? Yes, Matt Bailey. I think Australian comedy is better than American comedy. Ooh, controversial. What <laughs> Australian... Who are you? Uh, Australian stand-up comedy? I or? am a... Yes, I'm a big fan of especially uh, Adam Hills. Yep. I think he's one of the funniest people on the planet. And it just seems like, I don't know, it seems like you're the observational humor that comes out of Australia. And uh, you guys and, and Sammy J, mm. the, the observational humor that comes out of Australia is so much smarter and with less angst mm. than what we get here in America. Well, I mean, that, that, yeah, look, I don't know if I can really weigh in on that because I think comedy is a very subjective thing. I think that taste is a very subjective thing. So I love Adam. Adam is awesome. He's a good friend of mine and he's a great comic and um, he's got a very specific style of humour and it's very, it's very accessible and very, um, very, like you said, very smart. 
and very uh, relatable, I guess. And so no matter what kind of comedy you come out with, generally there's go you're going to probably find an audience if you craft it well enough, you know what I mean? So there's an audience for all of the angsty comics. And there are angsty observational comics in Australia as well. I used to be a lot angrier in my stand-up, I think. I've mellowed over the years, but... Um, oh, and Hannah Gadsby, she's here right now. She's here York. right now. She yeah. is killing it. She's yeah. amazing. Have you gone she, to see her? I have never seen her show, Nanette, wow. this new show, because it's always on at the same time. And last year, when she did it, when she did the tour where she won every possible award on the planet for the show, I was taking time off. I, I went to Japan instead of doing the festival, so I missed it. And I wasn't in Edinburgh last year, so I missed it. But I did catch up with her the other day, and she just keeps getting extended. and extended. It's, 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 it's running until the end of June now. Oh, that's wonderful. It's so great. And everything I've heard about the show is mind-blowing. Like, she is... Well, we're if, doing this because I hope you get extended. I would love to see you. would love to see you get extended because I think people need to see it. That's very kind of you. We don't need, you know what? We don't need, I'm here until the 9th of June. People don't, I don't need an extension. There's still like a month. <laughs> People can still come and see it. I'm really excited. One of my favorite, most poignant parts of the show was mm. you were taught, you mentioned Ernest Hemingway a minute ago, mm -hmm. but, and I hope I'm not giving away too much when I say this. You talked about him in relation to, in relation to artists and separating the art from the artist and how he kind of led this shitty, shitty life, excuse my language, friends, uh, but the art kind of still holds up. And immediately, I wanted somebody in the crowd, I wasn't going to be the guy that did it, I wanted somebody to yell out, Cosby, because that's all the media talks about these days. And I have my own thoughts, but I'm curious, as a foreigner observing this, can we do that with him? Can we do that with people who come up on these charges? Can we separate the art from the artist? Well, that's a particularly tricky area, yeah. I think, because with Hemingway, Hemingway was uh, a very uh, troubled and um, eccentric and fascinating larger-than-life character that did a lot of stuff that was pretty borderline, you know, um, what some people might perceive as kind of crazy behaviour. You know, but in all of the th biographies and stuff that I read about him, yes, he had multiple wives. You know, he he was divorced several times, and and he had a couple of potentially. He did fall in love with a nineteen-year-old for a bit. I know that, but there were some sort of sort of stuff like that. I don't think he was ever brought up on charges mm -hmm. for anything um, related to. Uh, sexual crimes or sexual harassment or anything kind of like that and when you when you start to like I haven't really weighed in on the me too movement because I think it's something that's that's uh, uh well I said I haven't really weighed in on it and now I'm about to weigh in on it <laughs> I'm about to throw my hat in the political ring everybody strap in here's Randy Randy's two president. cents incredibly <laughs> necessary incredibly important time and I think that people are getting uh, exposed for behaviour that has been entrenched and overlooked and perpetuated for far too long. So as far as people who have been stripped of their credibility based on their um, actions, um, I think that 
it will be dependent on wh who that person is and what their legacy is in terms of artistic legacy. It's going to be a long time until we know whether or not um, people are going to look back at somebody like Cosby and his work and go, well, look, he still made all this amazing work. Because right now he's a punchline. Right. And, and, uh, and it, takes, it takes time it does. for people to kind of come back on that. And all these other people that have been... Uh, exposed and revealed to be doing dodgy shit like it's going to be uh, and I don't mean to um, uh, you know re be reductive or anything reduce it reduce the severity when I just summarize it as dodgy shit because mm -hmm. there's some horrifically traumatic stuff but I don't think I don't, I don't think we'll know yet whether or not we'll be able to look back and go yeah but he was still funny because at the moment he's not funny Exactly. It's not cool. Well, the so, issue is what, what Cosby did specifically and his crimes and his alleged crimes are inextricably linked to, uh, to the Cosby show because so many people that came through that door that you see on the show, you wonder now, well, did he attack them? Did they have a story? So I agree with you. I think it's going to take quite a while till we can look at it again. And I want to move on in our last few minutes here, talk about some... Uh, we're some, moving on, folks. Some fun stuff. Moving on. We take got a two. little bit heavy there, but we're going to get back into the comedy world. Comedy world. Well, no, we're going to go in... <laughs> no, hey, how you going? We are going to move on now to the actually the social world. Mm. The show is on... The, the Theater Row, Randy, is uh, on Twitter. We'll put a link to it somewhere. But you, you have 36,000 followers on Facebook. Why aren't you on More Twitter? More than that, man. It's, yeah. It's skyrocketed. It I'm really in the is. 40s. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome. And you know, it's 40s. crazy. It's crazy. Twitter soon? Twitter can go fuck itself. Why? I don't want to be on Twitter. I don't even want to be on Facebook. <laughs> uh, Facebook, even, I didn't have an Instagram profile until uh, January of this year, I think. I finally relented to the pressure of having an Instagram profile. Um, I don't really, um, Twitter just, I'm, I have no interest. I mean, I think it, I, I get it. I get it. I'm not being some weird, you know, uh, concrete booted Luddite yeah. by going, Mom, the youth of today, what's all this twitsy, witsy, woo, none of that. <laughs> I just, um, I don't want to have to reduce my thoughts into a, a pithy one-liner and churn it out there to try to get validation or promote myself on that level. And maybe that's doing my business a disservice. Maybe that's why nobody knows who I am. But to be honest, when we're talking about the concept of legacy and enlightenment versus artistic pursuit, which I talk about in the show, I'm going to pursue the option of it's better to die without anybody knowing who I am than to wake up in the middle of the night going, I just thought of something witty to say to people who I'll never meet. <laughs> smart way to look at it. I don't know if it's a smart way to look at it or a completely self-sabotaging way to look at it's it. It's a smart but, way to look at it because if you, you tried know. to say that to a Kardashian, I think they'd just be like, what? <laughs> yeah, I know, but this is the difference between me and a Kardashian. I, yeah. I, I don't really... You have artistic integrity. Well, no, it's not about artistic integrity. I think it's about um, uh, priorities. It's about priorities. Talent. Somebody's here in the audience. Who's here? Hi, I'm Jed Ryan. Hi. Hi, Jed Ryan. Oh, hey, Jed. Oh, wonderful. Please stop heckling us, Jed. I We're trying to do a fucking interview, mate. I know who. What's going on out there? No, this is nothing. Wait till showtime. I oh, know God. who Jed is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's about priorities. That's wonderful. And it's not one of my priorities. Like, right now, our, one of the social media priorities now is this Yanni or Laurel crap that's, I mean, Jed, what do you hear? Do you hear Yanni or do you hear Laurel? Oh, I don't know. 
Randy, have you have you noticed this whole thing? I have no idea what you told okay, me. Okay, good. What okay. is it? What's happening? Bring uh, me out to speed. Nothing. All right. I want your hot takes on these. No, I want to know if it's Yanni. It's this, it's this audio thing. It's this audio thing that has has uh, like taken social media by firestorm. Some people can hear Laurel. Some people hear Yanni. But the truth is, it's two things recorded over each other, and the frequencies just screw with your brain. Oh, so, right, 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 right. So I thought maybe you know how they can they can implant certain. You know they did all those tests on. Um, putting certain code frequencies into Siri commands where uh, if, you, if you say a certain phrase or you can program someone else's phone to say a certain phrase and it will like unlock the phone and get into your photos and blah, 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 blah. It's scary Cool crap. stuff, cool stuff, man. Yeah. Smartphones, get rid of them. <laughs> no, I, uh, I want your, uh, your just quick one-line hot takes on these two uh, Australian commodities that have have crossed over into American culture. Okay, first, I'm ready for this. First this is one. the fun part of the interview. We've talked about all the heavy stuff. Here we go. First Hit one, me. the yes. Wiggles. What? The Wiggles. Oh, yes. What about them? You want a fun one-liner take? Yeah, just um, what your thoughts are. Uh, intelligent franchise uh, ruining the lives of children worldwide. Next. Ruining? Wait. No, no, no. Look, that's a joke. I I'm know. a comedian. <laughs> and ACDC. ACDC, one of the greatest living rock bands of all time, but I'm a Bon Scott man myself. I did like Brian, but, um, but uh, yeah, Bon, I, I, I go back to the very early days of ACDC. That's I'm a big fan of the, of the early stuff. That's seeing Axl Rose sing with ACDC was like, you know what, that's pretty cool, but at the same time, just stop it. I Angus, you know I love you, Angus, but no more, man. Let it go. Let it go. I saw... I saw Axl Rose and Guns N' Roses, the original trio that was touring, Sweet. here at the garden. And it Whoa. was the funniest thing ever because he still had the voice, mm. but he like saunters out on the stage, 50 something years old, long flowing hair, big beer gut. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God. Well, when Embrace he your age. When he toured with ACDC, when he first played his first shows with ACDC, he had a broken foot or a broken leg or something. He yeah. sat down, he was sitting yeah, for the whole the show. Throat. Yeah. So it was a very interesting thing. But anyway, look, I, I, again, you know what? On both of these things, the Cosby thing, probably not. Let's not go back there. But the thing with ACDC and Wiggles and me is, and the thing with this whole Twitter thing and whatever, I take my hat off to anybody who's going to artistically pursue something exactly. to a level of, of, of uh, success. Even the Kardashians, fucking good on them. Well, you, you know, and if people want to yeah. buy into it, then power to them, you know? Are you they hurting had, anyone? I don't know. Who knows? You have had great success in Australia, and I, I, I wanted to do this because I want you Not here! Well, you are having... It's Not here, I haven't! Hey, listen. Darren Brown, biggest mentalist in uh, the UK. I'm very comes familiar here, with the work plays of Darren a, Brown. Plays a small theatre just like this, and I hope he'll come back, and I hope that, Randy, you'll come back with a new one-man show. I hope you'll come back with Sammy J and have fun. Me too. And do all of that Can stuff. I say that my absolute highlight of this interview, and this is true, was being put into the same category as Darren Brown because that, now I feel like I've made it. Well, that man blows my mind consistently. If you don't know who he is, Google him. Watch everything he's ever done. Well, I can imagine your fan base in, and I know we're getting close to time, but I can imagine your fan base in Australia is pretty strong. You do a lot of galas, you host a lot of big things. Mm. It's the same thing. Now, I can't walk down the straight in Australia. Yeah. Well, and Mostly because I don't have any legs. But Darren could come here and nobody would know who he is, but over UK, down, down under, I guess, as well. But I know him because of my background, I know of him because of my background in 
magic and ventriloquism. Correct. So, so you're in that gang. Yes. You're in the club. Yes. Do you go to the big ventriloquism conventions? Yeah, there's one in Kentucky. Do you yes, know about it? Yes, I do know about it. I oh my God! I haven't been, but I've got some very dear ventriloquist friends oh, who cool. go. Who do you know? Nina Conti yeah. and a woman from Australia called Sarah Jones. I've never met or heard of Sarah. Check out Sarah's stuff. She is amazing. She's got a lot of really great stuff. And there's also I also just directed, uh, just worked with a um, a a ventriloquist, a Japanese ventriloquist called Shoko. Oh, cool. She's yeah. real cool. Check out her stuff as well. Shoko, S-H-O-W-K-O. -O. If you're into ventriloquism, Shoko, Sarah Jones, up there. I so thought there's a bit of a war between um, puppets who have no puppeteer underneath them whatsoever mm -hmm. and ventriloquists. That a war. Th they, well, that they don't like to be compared to each other. That, you know, I was talking with a vent yesterday who said he was approached, but mm -hmm. the guy didn't realize that he wasn't just a puppeteer. He was a full-figured vent right. worker. Yep. So uh, what's your take on that? Do you, do you like working with ventriloquists? Uh, I've done gigs with ventriloquists. I've definitely met quite a few ventriloquists, but it's not, I mean, um, I don't know. I get, I'm trying to think of a comparison. I guess it's like talking to uh, uh, an acrobat and going, is there a rivalry between you and a dancer? Exactly. Because there are crossovers with the physical performance, but yeah. they're different forms, and, you know. Exactly. But I love ventriloquism. I think it's great. Well, that's awesome. And that ties it back to where our whole show started. Oh, my God. It's come full circle. It has. And this, after everything I've said today, might be the last one, once you get all the lawsuits <laughs> sorted out. Oh, I love it. Randy writes a novel at the Clerman Theatre at yes. Theatre Row. I'm Matt Bailey, signing off, reminding everybody there's no puppeteer under there, and reminding you to keep talking for two. Matt Bailey, Matt Bailey, Matt Bailey, Matt Bailey. <laughs> you can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfor2.com. <laughs>